We're going to turn this morning to 1 Corinthians and then to 1 Samuel. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6 and First Samuel chapter 17. I had this message on my heart for a while, but particularly heavy this week. The church has lost its mandate and it has to get back to it. Do you know that? With all the noise and the threatenings and the culture around us, it's the pressure to the to the to the pew and to the pulpit is is to is to be quiet or to compromise or to don't you don't speak on certain things. Preach on Bible, but not this. Preacher, you, you couldn't be compromising your preaching Bible. Well, when, you, when, the, when the Spirit of God deals with you to preach on aspects of the Word that you, refuse, that you choose something else, how do I want to say that? A preacher can preach absolute scriptural truth and still be in rebellion against God. Do you know that? I'm talking about that, that, that it's scripture, that it can be theologically correct and be the wrong message for the wrong time and the wrong place. I'm not talking about when he, when he saw it and then he missed God. I'm talking about when God dealt with him and he refused to go that direction. That's rebellion. It's just as much rebellion as preaching, as, as, as preaching a message that never brings the gospel and calling yourself a church. I don't think we realize anymore that you can preach what's absolutely true and be in absolute rebellion because you refuse to preach what God asks you to preach. Do we know that? We're at a time, I think you know that the world is screaming at us. I've never heard the volume so high in this world. I'm making sure it's not just me. I don't think so. We're going to look at, we're going to look at, the, at the account of David and Goliath in a moment. One of the most familiar accounts in the Word of God. And we want to look at it maybe from a perspective maybe you've never seen, maybe you've never heard. How I many you know the Bible is that rich that you can take the most familiar things and, the, and, it, and it be illuminated a different way? But I want to start today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Some of Paul's most stark writing, most direct, most in your face, most confrontational. Keep in mind who he's writing to. He's not writing to the world. Do you understand that? He's writing to the church at Corinth. If you go do a little Bible reading and do a little research on the church, they, the church at Corinth, they were, they were a bunch. Whew. 
I'm glad I wasn't their pastor. But I'm glad Paul loved them enough to take them on and then share it with the rest of us. Amen or oh me. I want you to hear some very clear language in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Are you there? It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Before I read any further, what I would tell you here is not everybody's going to heaven. I know that comes quite a shock, but not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody in church is going to heaven. Do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? His next statement is big. He says, do not be deceived. Why do you suppose he put it there? Do not be deceived, period. Standalone statement. Do not be deceived. Before he, before he goes into what he's about to say, his caveat, his preface is, do not be deceived. That tells me that you can be. That you will be. Do you know that we can justify anything? I have found in my, in my own life, I'll talk about me. Most people today, one of our problems is, is we're not willing to talk about me. We want to talk about everybody else. That's the spirit of a Pharisee, by the way. I thank God that I don't sin the way they do. Let's talk about me. Sin is a personal problem. Y'all are already quiet and we ain't even got the scripture read yet. Sin is a personal problem. It's a corporate problem. The whole world has fallen. Every one of us. The word of God, listen to me, declares that there is none righteous. I want to make sure we're all on the same page in the same boat, that nobody's above and nobody's beneath before we even get started. And understand that I am included. And it starts with me. I can't give an account for Brandon or Andrea. I have to start with me. I can preach truth to you all day long, but as an individual, if I don't deal with me, nothing is accomplished in my life. We have to start with us. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor, nor rivalers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Man, what a scathing statement. Without ambiguity, with the caveat of do not be deceived, and with a period at the end of it. Whoo, if he had stopped there, but he didn't. Listen to me, church, everybody in the building, listen and look. And such were some of you. There's a key word in that sentence. Did you catch it? Were. And such 
were some of you. We've all sinned and came short of the glory of God. Thank God that the ground is level at the cross. Not one of us have missed it. Not one of us have escaped the, 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 the travesty of fallen man. Such were some of you. I'll go ahead and give you the good news. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. That is wonderful news. I was maybe every one of these things. But I am no longer that because I've been justified, sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of His spirit there's something you should know if you fall into any one of those categories you should not be hanging your head today if you put it under the blood it should be the platform of your testimony that this is who I was this is what I went through this is what I did but Jesus came into my life he set me free he washed me clean he delivered me from the power of this bondage and if he did it for me he will do it for you You shouldn't be, listen to me, church. You should not be hiding behind your failures. The Bible still says that I am made over an overcomer. How? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. If you made it, somebody else needs to know they can make it. Come on, church. One of the hardest things as a pastor is to address the hard things that you know people looking back at you have been through. And the pressure today is because you know that you've got people either in front of you or live stream or whatever that are watching that have been through these things is, boy, you should never bring that up because they're going to think you're preaching to them. If it's under the blood... It's no longer to you. It is, it is your shout. It is your joy. It is your testimony that I was, but now I am. Amen. Preaching to a bunch of Presbyterians. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, you know the story. Israel finds itself in a place where they're at war again with the Philistines. And among the Philistines is what the Bible calls the champion, Goliath. And when the, when the, when the account begins, they find themselves with the Philistines on one side of a hill and the people of Israel on the the armies of Israel on the other side of the hill and there's a valley in between them and every day it says for 40 days that the Philistines trotted out their champion out in the middle of that valley to threaten the people of Israel send me someone to fight it says, he, it says he had a helmet of bronze, and it said he had a coat of mail that weighed 150, 60-something pounds. It said he had, he had, he had his, his javelin, his spear was like a weaver's beam, and that the, that the head of his spear weighed something around 16 pounds. Huge. 
And they were scared to death. He said, send somebody to fight. And if they, if they, if they win against me, we'll serve you. But if I win, you're going to serve me. And it went on and on and on until you get to about verse 12. And it says, I highlighted these two words, now David. Sometimes there's people that walk on the scene that just, that's where the turning point comes. What do I want you to know about this account? I believe today we're, this is perfect imagery of what we're seeing today. You've got the armies of this world screaming and taunting the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from across the way. Goliath is a type of Satan, he, but, he is, he is a, but he is a loud mouth. How many of you know that our enemy is a loud mouth? How many of you have noticed that the people in this culture that are wreaking the most havoc, they're hollow loud mouths? Just me. And because of this daunting champion, because of this megaphone, because of this culture that is against us today, the church is on the side of the other side of the way, shaking in its boots and doesn't know what to do. I'll tell you why. Because we don't want negative publicity. We don't, we don't want to be canceled. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Sure you do. Why are we quiet? Why do we not say things? Why do we not stand up in our own home? The church today is scared to death even in our own families. Within our own households, we are scared to death. I think most of you think I'm a pretty bold guy that don't back down from much. Even in my own house, among my own children at times, I am tied up in a knot inside over what you've got to stand up when your kids are out of your house, that, that somehow they're going to, the devil's lie and trick is your own kids are going to walk away from you. They're going to turn their back on you. They're not going to have anything to do with you. You need to back off. You need, don't compromise your own convictions but, or what the Word of God says, but just don't mention it anymore. And I've got to tell you, I've been, I've been around too long, counseled too many families to know that you can sit and be quiet and look at me and act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's pervasive everywhere, even in this body. I know pastors, Pentecostal pastors, firebrand pastors that today hardly even preach anything that confronts anything because their kids have came to an age that the kids are, are, have influenced what their dad preaches instead of the dad shaping their children's lives. I don't know one or two, I know many. I say things that get me in trouble. Most of the time they've just came back from Bible school. 
And they've got a new idea of what the church is supposed to be. And they're bringing it home to dad. And dad thinks, well, it must be true. He just got out of Bible school. We're afraid, we're scared to death of Goliath that is, that is threatening out in the middle of the valley. I got to tell you, we're already serving the world if we're, if we're standing around afraid. It says, David rose up early in verse 20 and left the sheep with the keeper and took things then went with Jesse the, and went as Jesse had commanded. And he came into the camp of the army, was going out to fight and shouting for battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up to battle, uh, in a battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and t- greeted his brothers. And then as he talked with them, there was the champion of the Philistine of, of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words so David heard him God give us more Davids God give us more Davids that sees and hears what's going on man I'd be interesting to know him someday we're going to know all about it but when when this stuff comes I, I, I may just be geared different than everybody else but there's things that come up and there's something that rises up in me Whenever leadership refuses to take a stand, there's something that rises up in me. When pulpits refuse to preach the word, and whenever the culture is overrunning the church, there's something that rises up in this old boy. We need more people full of the Spirit of God that has some backbone that when the world comes against their household and against their church, that instead of backing off, that something swells up in them and they'll rise up and square their shoulders and take, and take the punches any way they come. Listen, if you're going to kill me, you're going to kill me fighting for what's right. I'd rather die a champion than to live a coward. I I might say that again. I'd rather die a champion than to live as a coward. Yeah. One of these days I'm going to stand before God and give an account for the ministry he gave me and you are too. You think because you're not in a pulpit that you're not, for every father and mother in this house, you're going to stand before God for what you taught your children. And what you were willing to say and stand up against. We're so scared to death that somebody's going to call us a bigot or some kind of phobic that we're not willing to stand for truth. It says, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him. And for dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and give the father's house his exemption from taxes of Israel. Then David spoke up again and said, And David spoke to the men and they stood by him saying, What shall be done? 
for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel. Let me tell you, it was a reproach that God's armies were standing and shaking in their boots against this demonic powers of hell that were coming against his people. There's things that are a reproach on the church and on the people of God when we refuse to stand up. And the people answered him saying, in this manner saying, so it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now we get to some things. Now Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against him. It's amazing how mad a coward will get when a David stands up. You know why? Because David's making them look bad. I can tell you right now the reason is he's the oldest. He, sh- he should have been the one leading the way. Why is he mad at David? He's mad because David comes in. He's the least of them. He, he even begins to ridicule him. That's a- always a method of the enemy, by the way. He, he likes to ridicule. He likes to try to tear you down and bring you down and, and to make you believe when that champion's beginning to rise up in you that you're nothing. You little smart aleck. Are you with me? He said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep? Can't you hear the tone? You ain't reading it right if you didn't hear that. And whom did you leave those few sheep we left you with, David? You think you're going to come down here and fight. And why don't you run on back home where you belong and take care of what we left you with? I know your pride and insolence of heart, for you have come down to see the battle. There's an accusation there, by the way. And David said, listen to me. What have I done now? Here's the title. Is there not a cause I'd ask the church the same question today. I'd ask every individual here today. Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. Do you know what he did? He went to brother one. He says, is there not a cause? The next one, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Right. He went to he, all of the brothers that were there, the other three. Is there, hey, listen to me, guys. Is there not a cause? I'd ask the church today. I'd ask Mauriceville Assembly of God today. Is there not a cause? We're losing our children, a whole generation, to the lies of this leftist communist culture. Is there not a cause? We're placating 
our responsibility. So maybe, just maybe, somebody will like us. Maybe, just maybe, more people will come sit on our pews. Maybe, just maybe, I'll gain some notoriety. But, is, but, the same, but right now, the armies of hell are still lined up against us, and the champion is still roaring in the valley. And when he wins, your children will be his slave. Is there not a cause? You know what David has said? He said, who in the world is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Right now, as believers, we should be standing up against this culture and saying, who in the world do you think you are? Who? One of the problems is, is, there, is we've came to a place we don't even know the truth of the gospel anymore for our own lives. Because of our own failures, we, we think we can't speak up lest somebody throw our own failure in our face. Let me tell you a little something about the enemy and about God. Listen to me. The enemy will tempt you, try you, pull you into something, convince you it's okay, and as soon as you fall for it, he'll condemn you and laugh at you. And then he'll identify you by your sin. You'll lose your name. You will lose your identity. You'll be, he'll call you in your spirit by your failure. You told a lie. In a moment of weakness. And he'll call you a liar. You had a moral failure and a low point in your life, and he'll call you an adulterer. Some pervert and molest a little boy. And that little boy, and, or, or maybe even gets to be a, a teenager, and he's, a, he's in a place where he's confused now about sexuality and they'll, ha and they'll have an experimentation or, or a sexual confrontation with someone of the same sex and he'll call you a homosexual. And you'll believe it. But let me tell you something about God. He will never, ever, when you put your sin under the blood of Jesus, he will never one time ever identify you by your failure again, ever. He will, he will never call you a liar. He will never call you a homosexual. He will never call you a fornicator. He will never call you a, a partier. He will never call you a drunk. Even if you stumble and fall, get up. Get up. Get up and fight in the battle. Is there not a cause? We have to get back to a, to a place we were, where we call the word true and stand on it. Moms and dads, get the word in your home. Talk to your children. 
I have told you, I have begged you, I have done everything I can to watch what your kids are watching, read what your kids are reading, and say no. But they don't fit, and I just can't hardly live with them. Who in the world's home is it? They are yours and your responsibility. If your kids are, are reading fantasy, you better throw it out. If they're reading anime, you better throw it out. You want me to tell you what's happening? They're, they're reading this fantasy perverted world that, that is, is, is straight from the pit of hell. Then they no longer know who they are because everything's fantasy, whatever you choose it to be. You want to know why our children are sexually confused? Because they're inundated with sexual material. Man, I gotta. I ain't getting off of it. You know why there's an explosion of sexual confusion and perversity? Because the church will no longer stand and say that sexual situations are for, are for, are for one man and one, one woman united in the bond of marriage. That's why. You know today that Barna says that 47% of evangelical Christians, did you hear that? And I'll put that in quotes. 47% of evangelical Christians, I'm not talking about the Catholics. I'm not talking about the Lutherans. I'm not talking about the Episcopalians. I'm talking about the Baptists and the Pentecostals and the charismatic denominations, the evangelicals that believe you've got to be born again. 47% of evangelical adults that believe that sex is okay as long as you're in a committed relationship. What in the world does that even mean? What does that mean? Committed. Well, I have found that people today are committed until they're not. They're committed until they're not. There's nothing binding them together. Y'all are quiet. Whoo! I got something to say about something. There's a scourge of abortion in this land. There is no doubt about it. Yes. It is the blight of America. No doubt about it. It is the disgrace of the church of Jesus Christ. No doubt about it. Let me tell you something. I get tired of hearing preachers and church members rail against abortion when they're sleeping with everybody. Because I got something to say to you. There were 98% of abortions would end today if people would go back to a biblical standard of sex. Right. Yeah. We're talking about the symptoms and never dealing with the, with the problem. There would not be one single incidence of sexually transmitted disease on the face of the earth if men and women went to the biblical standard of sexuality. Not one. 
Not one. Not, there would not be one case. Oh, preacher. It's true. We, can, we are flailing at the wind, tilting at every windmill, but failing to deal with the problem. And I'll ask you, if you're against 70 million abortions, if you're against the LGBTQ agenda, I would ask you to not, today, is there not a cause? We're depending on the pulpit to do our job. When if we're lucky, we got you 45 minutes a week. And that's when you decide to show up. We want the internet and the television to raise our kids and then send them to Caesar's schools and then wonder why we end up with Romans. We got to talk. We got to talk. Eliab stood up and says, what are you doing here? Man, I can just hear some of my denominational leadership. So I make them nervous sometimes, I got to tell you. I'm pretty thankful for Tim Barker so far. He, st he stood with me anywhere. He, he hadn't, I hadn't made him a bit nervous. But I can tell you, I come from a place where they believed what I was saying. It's just they're not sure I ought to have said it. For 40 days, that giant's been roaring. And you're worried about why I'm not tending my sheep when I'm the only one willing to stand up. Wasn't lost on me that go back to that few sheep. I can just go back to your little church. Go back to your little church and take care of them people in Mauriceville and stop meddling. I may never be elected to an office in this assembly of God ever, but I can tell you what, it, it, if I'm not, it'll be because I'll stand and tell the truth. Amen. It'll be because, because I'm willing to say, my God, guys, is there not a cause? Go to the second down brother. I'll tell you right up front, I'll have this trouble here, but that kind of reminds me of the, of the church board level. I tell you what, the, the board of uh, Mauriceville Assembly of God has never, ever, ever come against the truth of God's word and told me to shut up, thankfully. But that's not true everywhere. Preacher, look at them and tell you. See, there, see, I happen to know there's a bunch of them that watch this. Is there not a cause? Right. Amen. Third brother, family members. Come on, Dad, just let it go. Just let it go. We know what you believe, and, but this is 20. Is there not a cause? Yes. Do we not understand that everything that's coming against us right now politically in this nation and in this world is a direct onslaught, a roaring, a fight, a war against the church and the people of God. You think it's about Washington. Open your eyes and know it's about the gospel. It's about the gospel. They're, they're, they're defying. They're, listen, 
They're willing to pass out whatever they got to pass out to, to get us to shut up. If you defeat us, we'll serve you. If, you defeat, if we defeat you, you'll serve us. Why is there an onslaught against the church? Because the church is the only one standing between us and their total control. If your failures are under the blood of Jesus, stand on your platform and declare this was where I was at, but God. If your failures are not under the blood of Jesus, get them under the blood of Jesus and put them in the past. Church members, I, I, I don't ever hit on this stuff without telling you, let them put it in their past. Ain't nobody saying amen on that. Because you're thinking about to your own guilt. You're worried about somebody that's failed publicly and, and, what you, and you're remembering every time you slandered their name privately. And let me tell you, God hates that. He hates that. He hates that. He hates your gossip and backbiting as bad as he hates what they did. But the good news is, is he loves you. He loves us. Just the fact that everybody just listened to that tells me that people don't even understand that anymore. Do you want to know how bad sin is? I tell you, if you want to know how bad sin is, you've got to consider the cost of the correction. The anecdote. How bad is sin? How bad does he hate it? The, the cost to him was the blood of his son. That's how bad. Brandon and I were talking about it yesterday. There's some things that's kind of became intriguing to me that now I've got to dig. I'm just going to tell you I'm wondering out loud. This is not doctrine. This is not teaching. This is me wondering out loud. He, cre he created an angelic race before man that fell. They chose, he, he gave them free will, that's apparent. A third, Lucifer rose up and he fell and took a third of the angelic host with him. He did that. God done nothing about it. He cast Satan down from the earth and cast the third out with him. No offer of redemption. But he formed me and you out of the dust of the earth. By his hand. He spoke everything else into existence, let there be, and there was. But when it came to me, when it came to you, he got down and formed us with his own hands. And it says he blew into our man's nostrils the breath of life. He put our, his own spirit. It says it blew in his nostrils pneuma, his own spirit. It was the spirit of God that blew into that dirt pile. And man became a living soul. Yeah. 
How do I know that? It was the breath of life. It was the spirit of life. Romans 8 and 2 says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It, there's something about me and you that he loved so much. The Bible's clear. Why, I don't know why he didn't redeem the angelic host. But I know why he redeemed me. Because he said, for God so loved that he gave. He said, God, God commended his own love towards me that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. The angelic hosts were created to serve for something completely different. I have to wonder. It's a question. This is it. I have to wonder. I don't think God has had any affection, any love for the angelic host. I don't know. I'm going to dig. Think about it. They were created for something completely different. They, they, they have a purpose and, a, and their job is to serve. Still today. But he created me to walk with me in the cool of the day. Oh, you're not listening to me. He created man. And he, and he saw that man, that God had what he wanted in man, but man didn't, still didn't have enough. He said, it was not good that man should dwell alone. So he gave us the gift of, of women. I know some of you don't know that that was a gift, but it was and is. Proverbs still says a man that finds a wife has found a good thing. Good thing. He loved us. Listen, child of God, he knew you were going to fail. He knew you were going to fail. And before he ever created a one of us, he had the answer. Before Adam was ever pushed into a pile of dirt, my Bible says that, he was, that Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of this world. He knew what he was going to do. He knew you were going to fail. And he had the answer. Wow. What kind of love is that? And that is why we have to tell the truth. We cannot allow people to believe that they can live any old way they want to against the Word of God and God's just going to be okay with that. You're not thinking. We can't allow people to think that God has changed his mind in 2020 because this is a different time and a different place. We're not so different than every other culture that was right on the verge of collapse. Every empire that ever came before us came to the exact same place that we are today and fell for the exact same reasons. If America falls, it won't be because of the Chinese invading our shores. 
It won't be because of the Japanese. It won't be because of the Russians. It won't be because of the Arabs. It'll be because we rotted from the inside because the church of Jesus Christ refused to tell people that things are an abomination in the sight of God. And, but there's hope. You can put it under the blood. He will, he will pick you up. He will deliver you. He will set you free. Amen. Come on, somebody. We've got to stand for what's true. Is there not a cause? In this age of radical environmentalism, In this age of sexual perversity, we have to stand for what's true. Why? Why? Do you understand eternity without God? Do you understand that there, come, that there is a point of no return? Y'all not listening. Do you understand that Paul addressed these things in Romans chapter 1, that there would come a time when, when men would think they became so enlightened against the Word of God that they thought they were the bright ones, they thought they were the wise ones. It says, professing to be wise, they become fools. Do you not know that it came to a point that it said they would worship the creation rather than the Creator? That's this radical nut job environmentalist that thinks that doesn't know that the earth is here for us, that, that we're not here for the earth. And it's religion. It's religion. It's religion from hell. It's religion. Listen to me. It's religion. And that people can live so long in their sexual depravity that he will turn them over to it. Romans 1. Read it. And there's a kicker right at the end of the verse. Man of God. Woman of God. Mom. Dad. Grandpa. Brother, sister, aunt, uncle, listen to me. Well, I'll just read it. Turn to Romans 1. Let's pick it up at 28. No, let's go to 26. For this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what, of what is against nature. Likewise, also men leaving their natural use of a woman burned within their lust one for another. Men with men committing that which was shameful. And receiving in themselves. Listen, those are powerful words. Receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. I want to stop there a second and listen to it. Which was due. The Bible says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. The wages have never changed. The wages have never, never changed. The wages of sin is still death. But the gift of God, oh, the wages of sin, what's that mean? It means you earned it. When I, when I draw wages, it means I, I worked for it. I earned it. I can earn death. 
but I can't earn life. Life is a gift. The gift of God. He didn't have to, but he did. He offered it through the blood of his son, but the gift of God is eternal life. Verse 28, it says, even as they did not like and to retain the knowledge of God. What's that mean? They didn't like to retain the knowledge of God. They knew what was true, but they blew it off. Not going to keep it. Not going to retain it. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which were not fitting. There comes a point in the depravity of man where God will, will turn them over to it. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisper. Oh, here comes the church crowd. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters. Uh, I didn't mean to say that. that but haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who who practice such things are deserving of death. Right there, he's not talking about capital punishment. He's not talking about taking them out to the electric chair or the gas chamber or the firing squad or to the gallows. He's talking about the wages of sin, that they're worthy of death. They earned it. Eternal damnation. But there is, listen to me, families, there is something at the end of this that is chilling that tells me we have no choice as believers but to stand for what's true. Are you still here? Knowing, verse 32, the righteous judgment of God, that they wasn't ignorant, they knew it, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. But listen to this. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You could have done none of those things. But if you approve of it and promote it, excuse it, laugh about it, it says you deserve the same thing. Because you're complicit in their sin. And people that have the knowledge of God that's been set free, delivered, that knows what God can do, has we have no place to be complicit in the fall and the sin and the damnation of another, of another soul. I'll ask you again in closing. Is there not a cause? Heavenly Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for your truth and your spirit that comes to convey truth. Lord, right now I'm asking, Lord, your word declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Your word's been delivered. Lord, I pray that faith would arise this morning. Lord, that we would have fresh revelation of what we've been delivered from and realize that it's in our past and that our pain is now our platform and that our testimony is our power and that, it is the, it is, that our testimony is what sets someone else free. 
But Lord, let us realize that there, we have no excuse. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Church, this morning, when David stood before Goliath, the Gath, with these brothers that were accusing him and putting him down and making fun and ridiculing him, he said, is there not a cause? And he says, I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll, you're not going to fight, but I will. And just like today, Saul tried to said, okay, but here, you do it my way. Here's my armor. Here's my, but David said, no, I, I can't work. I can't do with your armor. I can't do with your sword. Listen, you can't, you got to put on your own armor this morning. You got to have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your loins girded about with truth. You got to above all have the shield of faith and you got to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and be praying in the spirit. You have to have your own armor. And you can't go in your own mind, but you got to stand for what's true. And it says that David picked up those smooth stones. He says, what are you going to do about it? And he said, listen, when there, I was once watching the sheep, and there was a bear that came up, and he said, I caught that bear by the jaw, and I ripped it limb from limb. He said, down the road, a lion came up to get my flock. What David was saying is, is there's nothing going to come against this flock that I won't stand up, and I won't rip limb from limb. He said, a lion came and I killed it too. And he said, I can tell you that this circum, that this Philistine is going to fall the same way that that lion and that bear fell. He said, he said, when Goliath was roaring, that David picked up his stone and he ran to the fight. He says, you come to me with your spear, your sword, and your javelin. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. He said, you've roared against me. He said, but today I am going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed your body to the buzzards. Is there not a cause? I refuse to stand on the mountain and talk about the problems and and shake in my boots and wonder what we're going to do. I refuse to let the world roar against the church. I refuse to sacrifice the sheep of this pasture, the children of this, of this community to the lies of this world. I'm going to armor up and run to the fight. If Springfield doesn't come, that's their problem. If Houston doesn't come, that's their problem. If my brothers and my sisters of my family in my household doesn't come, that is their problem. But I am going to charge the gates of hell with truth. If that's you this morning and, you're going to, and you agree, to make your way to the front and just and run, right now, get up and run to the battle. 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 Come on. Get up and run to the battle. Listen, if you're here this morning and, you, and you're maybe right now you're not where you're supposed to be. you're here this morning and and you're still caught in the web of your sin right now this moment you can present your you can present yourself to God in humble repentance say God you can tell him God I'm a sinner and you know I am by your spirit I know this morning that I'm a sinner I'm a failure I have failed you but Lord I accept that blood that gift this morning wash me clean wash me clean this morning wash me clean
so everything I have can be in the past and I can stand on a platform of the delivering power of God. One more thing, church. There may be somebody here today. You are saved. You're as saved as anybody else, but you're, but you're in bondage and a struggle. You hate it. You don't want it. It's not what you want in your life, but you can't get free from it. Listen, the devil will try to cause you to believe because you struggle that you're lost. And I'm here today to tell you that you're not lost, that you need a deliverer this morning. And the same blood that delivered you or saved you will deliver you. But you're not going to get out of it on your own. You're going to have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to help you walk out of it. But he will. He will. I'll pray with you this morning. Lord, I'm yours. I love you. You're mine. But Lord, I have struggled. I'm exhausted in this struggle. I've tried to carry it for years in my own struggle. I, I know I'm saved, but I, but I can't get free. Lord, I need you today to break this bondage off of my life. It may be a secret addiction. It may, it may be pornography. It may, it may be uh, 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 driven by lust. It, it may be gluttony. It, may, it could be anything that you, you hate it, but you can't get free. And listen, he's the one that'll set you free. Because see, it's the truth. You've heard the truth this morning. The word of God says you can know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth is Jesus Christ and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You can be free this morning. Child of God, you're, you're born again. You're free. Filled, filled with the Spirit of God and, re and ready to take it on. That's you this morning. I want you to lift your hands and present yourself afresh and anew not just as a Christian. He, it's time for the church to get off the pews. It's time to be someone that will say, Lord, I will no longer sit back and listen to the world roar. I will no longer be under the threat of the enemy that's trying to take me and my household and my church and my family and my country captive. That today, today I'll get in the fight. Today I will get in the fight. Let's pray. Father, I present myself to you. Lord, I've watched it as long as I can stand it. I've been on the sidelines as long as I have. Maybe I am one that my own failures have been so embarrassing that I was afraid to lift my head. But today I know that, it's not, that my failures is not an embarrassment, but it's a testimony of the power of God. And today I will, I will engage the fight. I will charge this giant. And not under my own strength, but under the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. And today I will take its head off. Hallelujah, church. Today, today, I'll get in the fight. I'll engage my family. I'll engage my friend. I'll engage my co-worker. I will be a walking, living evangelist testimony of the delivering power, the saving power of Jesus Christ. And I'll stand with what's true if I have to stand alone. Lord, I pray and I ask today in Jesus' name. Church, he's going to honor the testimony of your response. How many of you know that a lot, 
most of the time a response, a coming forward of what is a step of faith. It is a, just the fact that you walk through the front this morning. It's not, it's not a exercise in formality. It is a testimony. It is an agreement and a testimony and a step that acknowledges to everybody in the house, but mostly to God, that I'm in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, church, we have a community and a region to touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not just this pulpit. It is every person that will take a stand, that will pick up their, that will put on their armor, pick up their stone, and charge toward the giant. We need people that's not neutral. Listen, sin's not neutral. And the gospel's not neutral. You're either going forward or you're either going backwards or you're going ahead. Let's charge. Today I'm sounding the alarm. That's what it is. It's, it's, the, it's the bugler on the hilltop sounding charge. Let's hit it. Let's do it. And I'll ask you one more time. Is there not a cause?